0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code BOOM to get $30 off your first month. That's BOOM, Talkspace.com slash BOOM, B-O-O-M. You are Locked On, Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast.
0: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We felt a little bit
2: rushed uh, last week, certainly. Um, you know, and there were some things that went well in the game. There's certainly a, a lot of things in the game that we had wished had gone better. You know, I think we got to do better, and, and certainly in critical situations, we had a couple chances to get
0: points. This game's about points, and we had a couple chances to get points, and we didn't, and
2: that helped uh, contribute to the outcome. So, but in terms of the second week, uh, we got a little bit more time to put the plan in, uh, kind of uh, be able to kind of look at the things we're doing and. To run the the plays that uh, we feel are going to work the best.
1: Locked on Vikings Friday edition on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow on Twitter at Sam Ekstrom or at Sage Rosenfels18. Subscribe on iTunes or subscribe on Audio Boom. Thanks everybody for listening. Sage Rosenfels is the co host of the show. Sage, happy Friday.
2: Happy Friday to you. It's been quite the interesting week in America, and uh, I am looking forward to Sunday to watching some football and getting my mind off of the rest of the world's problems for a couple hours.
1: Well, the Vikings are headed right into the hotbed of politics, Washington, D.C. They'll play the Washington Redskins on Sunday at noon. Your former team, Sage, your third former team that the Vikings have faced this year, the team that drafted you, Back in 2001, just take us through your draft experience. Fourth round, 109th pick to Washington. What was that like?
2: Sure. Uh, well, I was, you know, coming out of Iowa State, and and I had a feel, I had a feeling that I'd be drafted uh, in third, fourth, maybe fifth round. And before the draft, uh, I know, uh, I knew at the time that the, the Washington. The New York Giants and actually San Diego seemed to express the, the most interest. At the time, San Diego just had Doug Flutie. They obviously went and got Drew Brees. Um, uh, New York just had Kerry Collins with not much behind him. But actually, Jason Garrett was his backup, so they were looking for a younger guy. Uh, and Washington was sort of in disarray. They are trying to figure out the quarterback situation. They had Jeff George on the roster. Um, and Todd Husack out of Stanford was a young guy coming into his second year. So uh, those are the three main, uh, I feel like, organizations that worked me out the most and were in contact the most when going into the draft. And, and, uh, yeah, Washington, uh, obviously San Diego picked uh, Breeze early, and uh, um, uh, Washington picked me, and then the New York Giants not long after me picked Jesse Palmer. So they were looking for – obviously a quarterback in that fourth round as well. So uh, get drafted the next day, fly out to Washington, and meet with Marty Schottenheimer, who was the head coach, and Brian Schottenheimer uh, was my quarterback's coach. And uh, spent uh, basically a year, year and a half there uh, under Marty Schottenheimer. We went 8-8. Eight and eight. He got fired. Steve Spurrier came in. was with him for uh, all offseason, all training camp, and, and got traded to the Miami Dolphins at the end of training camp. So got to spend about a year and a half at Washington. Still have some friends there. Uh, was just there last uh, spring for Memorial Day weekend, and uh, it's, a, it's a great town, great town to play in. They truly love their team there like the Vikings love their team. They love their team. They might be more frustrated uh, with their team than the Vikings are in different ways. Obviously, they've won some Super Bowls, but they have been extremely frustrated since Daniel Sanders has taken ownership. Uh, I think it was around 2000 or 1999 or 98, something like that.
1: He purchased the Redskins in 1999 at the age of 34, 34. He owned a professional football team. So you were there at the very start of his tenure much. I'm not sure if people were sour on him at that point, or maybe they were, maybe you can enlighten us. Do you have any, any Daniel Snyder insights just from, from your tenure in Washington?
2: (laughs) Well, so when I got there, uh, it was uh, when he first bought the team first year, they they went to the playoffs under Norv Turner. Um, The next year, they did not. Norv got fired. Ron, Marty Schottenheimer, we went 8-8, and and he got fired. And we started off uh, 0-5 that year, new coaching staff. Jeff George was a quarterback for two games. And uh, the the, the coaching staff or the team decided to let him go. So uh, we were scrambling, and I was a third quarterback. Tony Banks was the second quarterback, and we somehow ended up winning uh, uh, eight of our last uh, eleven football games, but that wasn't enough, and and Marty got fired. So you know, I don't have uh, a lot of great things to say about Mr. Snyder. He'd show up at practice and sit in his chair with uh, with some other uh, person, seemed like usually a guest, a uh, business uh, partner or something. They'd smoke cigars and and watch his practice. That was about it. Never really talked to him. Didn't have any relationship with him. I don't think. Uh, almost anybody had a relationship with Dan Snyder, unless you were one of the star players. If you were one of those four or five guys that he was paying a lot of money to, uh, you sort of had a chance to have a conversation, have conversations with him and have a relationship with him. I definitely did not.
1: And I think a lot was made about Snyder and uh, that coaching staff trying to manage Robert Griffin III when he was still in Washington. And uh, and that obviously went very poorly for Washington and really that whole franchise found themselves disheveled after the the Robert Griffin III fall from grace. So he's now in Cleveland, and they've got Kirk Cousins as their quarterback, and I think probably seeming a little more stable now than they were even two years ago. And Cousins has been throwing the football well. He's got them to a 4-3-1 and one record. What have you seen from Cousins as a quarterback? Uh, what do you like about his game?
2: Well, I like him a lot. I think Kirk Cousins is a top 15 quarterback in the NFL. I think if you'd ask a lot of general managers and head coaches, they'd say they'd love to have you know, if him. They, if they answered honestly, I think they'd love to have him as a quarterback. Uh, he is very smart. He's got a very strong arm. He's pretty dang accurate. Uh, he's a great leader. Uh, I think that uh, he's the type of leadership that you need at the quarterback position. I think he's, he's vocal, but I think he's steady. Uh, he does make mistakes. He'll throw throw the ball to the wrong team occasionally, uh, or in the red zone, or at in opportune times. But uh, you know he's not uh, he's not a top five guy. He's not probably a top ten guy. But he's a guy that that if that team builds up its roster, uh, sort of like how the Vikings have done, uh, and have a good defense and, and have a good offense line, and some receivers, he can be a very functional uh, part of that football team. And he puts up really big, really big numbers week after week for the most part uh the only thing that scares you is occasionally throws those you know red zone or or, or has a turnover uh in the red zone or or something at, the, at the, a bad time so uh he's not perfect but uh he's a pretty dang good quarterback i'm, I'm impressed by him
1: 2,454 yards so far this season 12 touchdowns against seven interceptions led them to the playoffs last year obviously He's got some really nice passing weapons, though Deshaun Jackson with a rotator cuff issue may not play, hasn't practiced the past two days, and that means Jameson Crowder, second year out of Duke, becomes their their top passing threat, and he's actually leading them in yards and touchdowns this year, part of that uh, that really good class of wide receivers last season. They've also got Jordan Reed, big athletic tight end, who I think uh, should pose some problems for Minnesota, who... Struggled with Eric Ebron against Detroit, and I think Reed might be even a step above that. They're not
2: huge name guys. Obviously, Deshaun Jackson's a big name, but uh, they're guys who are just good football players and good skill position players. They run good routes. They catch the ball. I think Jay Gruden's a heck of a young coach, and, and uh, he struggled, obviously, early with, uh, with Robert Griffin III when he first got there. But now that they've sort of settled in with Kirk Cousins, uh, their franchise player, I think uh, Jay Gruden's done a really nice job with that team. And, and going back to the beginning of this conversation, I do think Daniel Snyder has sort of removed himself as much as possible um, from making decisions about this team personnel decisions, offseason uh, free agent decisions, uh, draft decisions. I'm sure he's involved, uh, but he, he thought he, he, it seemed like he wanted to be Jerry Jones uh, early in his, in his ownership. And now he's more of a hands-off type of owner. I think that's been actually very good for this team.
1: Non-football question here, but was the Washington nickname controversy, was that relevant during the early 2000s when you were there? Or is that more of a recent cultural development?
2: Uh, I definitely remember uh, hearing, uh, you know, small protests uh, during the home games. And uh, it was more of a, a smoke instead of a fire. Uh, obviously that has grown uh, it's gotten more national attention um, and uh, you know and I think it's an important issue that uh, should be discussed and and uh, you know obviously it, it offends some people it doesn't offend others and uh, something that's a, it's a hot button issue and uh, but no it wasn't uh, as big a deal at the time but definitely uh, there was some smoke there
1: I remember covering the protest outside TCF Bank Stadium this is back in 2014 during a, uh, a November game, and I talked to some Native Americans in the protest who had some, some fantastic things to say. I remember the name of one man was Running Horse Livingston, hardcore Vikings fan, but he showed up and he, he talked about race and he talked about how the stereotypes that the name creates, and I remember that being pretty powerful to listen to. So something there to chew on uh, wherever you stand on it. But back to football, I think my favorite matchup to watch on Sunday is going to be Stefan Diggs. Against Josh Norman, and you've got two hyper hyper competitive guys. Norman on one side, who had that big brawl with Odell Beckham Jr. last year, or whatever you want to call it, and then Stephon Diggs, who is a super talkative, fiery guy on the field. I think those two could really go at it. We might see a little pushing and shoving after the whistle.
2: Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Uh, they've uh, these two will will have a heck of a little rivalry, and uh, they are in the same. Uh, conference and, and uh, I think I'm probably the first time they've played against each other so uh, it should be a, a good matchup and uh, you know Diggs is going to have to be very physical Josh Norman is a very physical cornerback he really likes to get his hands on you he likes to grab I think he's willing to take those chances of of not being called he'll probably be called for some sort of holding or pass interference, or uh, hands to the face penalty in the ball game. He gets one, or one or two of those almost every game. But I think over the course of 60 snaps, he feels like it's it's worth it. It gives him advantage. So he's going to be grabbing out there, and and. Uh, our young wide right receiver's got to figure out a way to to get off the bump, get off the grab, and and use his power and quickness to, to get away from Josh Norman.
1: Stefan Diggs had 13 catches last week. Hopefully, you have him in your PPR fantasy league. But I think this is going to be a physical football game, just based on the desperation involved for both sides. And Washington hasn't won since Week Six. Vikings haven't won since Week Five. The Redskins obviously had a tie mixed in their in their London game against the Bengals, but. Both these teams who consider themselves, I think, in the upper echelon of the N- NFC, need to win this game. Otherwise, we're talking about a four, four and one Washington team or a five and four Vikings team. It's a huge swing. Six and three looks a whole heck of a lot better than five and four.
2: Yeah, this is uh, you know almost a playoff game for both of these two teams. Uh, th- this weekend'll we'll have a lot to
1: say about
2: uh, both of them getting to the playoffs or, or winning their division. Uh, they, Washington's right in the mix of things in a very balanced division. Obviously, Dallas has a nice lead, but they're, they're probably you know, trying to get second place and get into the playoffs again, as they did last year. And obviously, we all know where Minnesota's at. So this is going to be a very physical, uh, drag-out, you know, fight football game. Uh, it's going to be – it might be one of those body bag games where there's a lot of injuries on the field. I, it's just going to be a, a rough game, and uh, you know, somehow the Vikings got to find a way uh, to play that style. Uh, it sort of does fit their style, but they got to find a way to step it up and, and come out with a victory somehow in Washington. And my guess, it's going to be those turnovers. They're going to have to get some turnovers. It's something they haven't gotten a lot in the last uh, three weeks. they got to get one, two, maybe even three turnovers uh, and, uh, and maybe even score some points. they got to find a way to win this football game.
1: Captain Munerlin has not practiced each of the last two days with an ankle, which he suffered in the game against Detroit. He was doing some light running at practice. I think that was Wednesday, but uh, it's very likely he won't play, in which case there's a great chance that Terrence Newman, the ageless wonder, 38 years old, could be the starting nickel cornerback. And I think people don't realize how difficult that is when, when you play outside consistently and then just uh, get thrown into the nickel like that and play big reps, which he did against Detroit. That's incredible. That's a tough position to play. Captain Munderland makes it look pretty easy, and, and so does Terrence Newman. But there's a lot happening in the slot, and Terrence Newman's probably better suited to play it, even more than a young guy like Mackenzie Alexander. Uh, he's been solid this year. I think PFF, Pro Football Focus, had him ranked top five in cornerbacks this season at age 38.
2: Yeah, he has had a, a heck of a year. I actually think this—you know—the Terrence Newman over the course of his career, he has played the slot a lot. Uh, that actually was his specialty. Uh, his the first half of his career um, uh, in the in the early two thousands, a lot of teams started going to. You know, this is when sort of the three wide receiver thing became the norm in the NFL, and everyone was working those slot guys, and sort of the slot receiver became uh, the strength of an offense in a lot of ways. And, uh, and teams started drafting cornerbacks who weren't as big, but they were better suited for the slot, smaller guys. So he spent a lot of time in the slot. It's a more of a man-to-man position. Uh, it's a very, very, very important on third down. Uh, that's a lot of times when teams are in those three wide receiver sets, and that's when they're, they're trying to uh, you know, get the five yards, get the seven yards. And a lot of times it's working that slot guy. When teams play coverage over the top with a safety up high and they take away Uh, The the outside guy with a safety in the corner sort of doubling on him, that means there's somebody in the slot, man-to-man, one-on-one, and that guy's going to be Terrence Newman this week.
0: The list.
1: ready for some predictions let's do it all right we got three nfc north games we'll begin with the packers at the titans packers at titans can green bay get back above 500
2: i'm gonna say no i'm gonna say that the titans uh, who run the ball really well under coach mike malarkey i think the titans are gonna win this football game they've been playing some decent football this season don't have a great record but i'm gonna say the titans win this game Uh, I'm going to say 24 to, uh, 21.
1: Wow. We're going unanimously on the Titans. Uh, Fun fact about Tennessee. Their offense is playing really well right now. Last five games, they've had 35, 36, 26, 28, and 30 points. They've been scoring the football. Mariota is looking a lot better. He's using his mobility well, I think. And I also like the Titans at home. To win that game over Green Bay. How about the Bears at the Bucks? Just a scintillating matchup between Chicago and Tampa Bay.
2: Yeah, again, again, a game I'm fairly sure I won't waste my time on. It might be a decent ball game, though. Um, I think the Bears are are playing a little bit better than they had earlier in the year, but I still like the Bucks in this ball game. I think Jameis Winston's becoming one of the better young quarterbacks in this league. Doesn't get a lot of hype and a lot of fanfare because he's down there in Tampa, and no one really pays attention. Uh, to that football team and that franchise, but he's a good player. He's got some weapons. Mike Evans, a stud out there at wide receiver. So I like this one to be a uh, 28 uh, to 17 Tampa Bay.
1: I like the Bucks in this game. A uh, quick side question. Were you or are you a Mariota guy or a Winston guy?
2: I, I was a Mariota guy and not because of uh, the physical ability. I was really concerned About Jameis Winston's off-field issues, maturity issues, but physically, football-wise, football smarts, those type of things, he's a very, very good quarterback. But I, I, there's just too many, there were too many red flags for me for the quarterback position, not wide receiver, not defensive back, but for the quarterback position, there were too many immaturity issues. And Mariota was the complete opposite. He was about as mature as you're going to get for a player coming into the NFL. He's got a, a unique physical set. Uh, He does run the ball well. He's very athletic, but I really like the way Mariota throws the football. So they both, I think, are going to be good quarterbacks. It looks like Winston has stayed out of trouble, uh, has kept his nose clean, and has grown up a little bit and and sort of defied the odds of a lot of the skeptics, uh, the people that didn't think he was going to be uh, a good quarterback in the NFL. Physically, uh, football, um, uh, mentally, I had no issues with him. It was the -the off-the-field stuff, and was he going to become somebody like a Jamarcus Russell?
1: Buccaneers 0-4 at home. That's the big kicker this season. And I think Mariota's definitely closed the gap a bit on Winston. But even though the Bucs are having a tough start, I think he's probably got the higher ceiling at this point. Though they're not playing well this season. So that'll be kind of a war of attrition against Chicago Bears on Sunday. And then our feature game, Vikings-Redskins in a big NFC clash. Who you got?
2: I don't know. I haven't really... This is going to be a tough game. I, I, all signs lead to me that Washington is going to win this football game. Um, but uh, the Vikings need a win, ba- need a win very, very badly. Uh, I'm going to jump on this Vikings train that we're on because I want to talk about positive things happening on Monday. I want to talk about being in the lead, in the NFC North on Monday. So I'm going to say Vikings by a touchdown, 24 to 17.
1: Well, I'm going to hedge my bet and go with Washington to win this game. It's a tough place to play. It's going to come down to how well can can Newman, Waynes, and Rhodes play at the cornerback position and create sort of a bubble where Cousins can't throw because Cousins loves to throw it underneath. So if they can play more physically with Crowder and Garcon and they can force Cousins into some longer throws uh, that are lower percentage, I think they can actually stop this Washington offense. And then on the other side, in the battle between Diggs and Norman, who's going to win that one, I think the cornerback-wide receiver battles will be intriguing in this game. I'm going to go with Washington by a 21-18 score.
2: Well, it should be a good football game, and uh, I think it's going to be one of those games that comes down to to turnovers. Uh, whoever turns the ball more over in this football, football game will lose
1: this football game. Hard to believe the Vikings could be facing a four-game losing streak, but that is what is at stake at FedEx Field on Sunday. We'll break it down on Monday on Locked on Vikings, Sam and Sage at Sam Ekstrom at Sage Rosenfels. Make sure to check out Lake Lewis on Locked on Redskins, Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Thanks for listening all week, and we'll talk to you after the game.